21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Troy, what are your thoughts on AI and its potential benefits or drawbacks? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is really just understanding uh, what AI is meant for, right? So obviously, if you give it the right prompt, it's really good at writing copy and it's really good for research purposes. A few things it's missing is like personality. So mm -hmm. obviously, it doesn't sound like a human all the time. And it sounds kind of bloggy, like the things that it puts out right now before version 4.0 comes out, it sounds just kind of like a, like a regular old blog. So I always like to mention to people like, hey, if you're just writing copy and you're sending it to your clients in a Google Doc, that is a time where, hey, your job could be at risk. Maybe. I don't know for sure. A lot of people say it is. A lot of people say it isn't. It just depends. If you're really good at writing with personality and you're really good at, you know, uh, using what it gives you to spit out even better copy and combining your knowledge plus its knowledge, that's great. Um, but the best way to, to diversify is being able to do something in addition to writing copy. So I've never really branded myself as just a copywriter. I've always mm -hmm. branded myself as an email list manager mm -hmm. because not only are you writing copy, but you're also scheduling the email for your client. You're strategizing, you're creating automations, you're thinking about the customer flow. And most importantly, you're focusing on deliverability, which a lot of times makes even more money than the copy alone. I would argue that deliverability is even more important because if you write a message to somebody and they never see it, it's like it, the copy doesn't matter at that point. So you say AI could be comprehend as addition to write a copy. And there are there are few elements that do that you have mentioned strategizing, scheduling, and if I understood you well, you stressed out deliverability. Can you share a little bit more about the whole concept? Yeah, 100%. So email list management, actually how I got into it in the first place was I was basically writing ad copy for one of my two clients I had at the time. And one day they wanted to fire me. And obviously I only had two clients, so that wasn't good. Um, so I was like, hey, like, why? Why do you want to fire me? We're getting a decent cost per lead. And they were like, oh, you know, whatever. We don't really want to tell you. And I was like, no, you're going to tell me right now. So they're like, all right, fine, fine. Our emails are going to spam and we're not making any money off this campaign. So I said, oh, it's interesting. What if I figure this out for you? I won't charge you anything. I'm going to figure this out for you. And then after I fix the problem, we go back to what we were doing before. And they said, mm -hmm. all right, fair enough. So I went in, they were sending about one email a week. The copy was really bad and their emails were going to spam, like I said. So the, at that time, they were making 13K a month from email. That summer, I fixed all those three things and they started making 51K a month from email over the course of that summer. So it was almost a 4X improvement. Mm -hmm. And copy was only one of the things that I touched. And then obviously frequency was one, but the biggest one was deliverability because if your open rates are <laughs> like 
five, six, seven percent, you're really limiting yourself compared to being like 15, 20, 25 percent. So um, it all kind of goes back to that. It's like you're writing copy. That's the first thing. Second thing is you're strategizing and creating automations. And then the third thing is deliverability. So those three things make up email list management. And that's still what I do today. That's still the, the main thing we do for our clients. Um, and yeah, it, it's just a really key component that copywriting alone misses out on. And what are some of the biggest challenges that email uh, marketers face today? So email is still the king, I suppose. But are there yeah, any... 100% yeah, okay. for mm -hmm. a lot of businesses, definitely, um, especially in the direct response space. Uh, people mm -hmm. really value email as their number one revenue driver. And then there's other businesses, they're a little more brandy and they put more emphasis on ads. But eventually, uh, if they're smart, they'll come around and realize that email is king. But yeah, as far as challenges go, um, you're right. Some of them can be solved with copy and AI as far as like how many emails you're putting out. So increasing your volume, getting more ideas from, you know, playing with the prompt and chat GPT, for example. Um, but then other things is just like people don't know, like what is a good like layout of an automation, right? So mm. like a welcome email, somebody opts in or somebody buys, like what mm. should you send them next? Mm. What's the second email? What's the third email? What's the flow of upsells or downsells? How can we re-engage cold subscribers who haven't opened in months? And then how can we just make sure our deliverability is on point? So those are some of the, the problems that email marketers have, even if they have an, you know, a really good copywriter or they're using AI. Those are still some of the questions that will remain. And those are some of the things that you know, an email list manager is, is good at. In Europe, we have GDP, of course, and in the States, there, there are some similar similar things going on. So what about those? Well, obstacles. Are they actually obstacles? If you are oh. doing right thing, then they are not so, so big obstacles, I suppose. Yeah, I've seen a lot and a lot of posts about this over the past year or so. So it's like some of the uh, the, the things that are, are coming up, even just today I saw one that was from somebody who actually was in a lawsuit and they basically said the reason was because they weren't using their proper business name at the bottom of the email. And you have to make sure you have your business name, your address, and just like simple contact information where it's really easy to identify who's sending the email. Another one that trips up a lot of hardcore direct response companies is they use really weird from names. So like if it was a, like a financial company, they send an email from your wallet and it doesn't really easily identify um, who's sending the email. Now you could say like your wallet dash and then the company name, that's a little more compliant, but it just kind of depends um, on the situation. But you always want to be very, very clear about you know who you're sending from um, because some people go way too far on the direct response side and they don't answer those things. Now, as far as the second thing you said about just like being a, a good, like moral person. Yeah, hundred percent. You don't want to like over promise things or you know, there was even people that, that I've heard of before over the last couple of years, they'll like hide in their terms of service that when you buy something, there's an extra subscription added on. So like, obviously don't want to do that. 
Um, that's not cool at all. But on top of that, you just want to make sure that your claims aren't outrageous. And, um, you know, there's a lot of like fine lines about what, when you say something, what exactly is um, like achievable by most people versus what is not really achievable and what's kind of like assumed achievability and what's not. But um, you just have to be careful with your claims. Because the truth is that most people that are getting in trouble for this, yeah, sure, some of them are doing it blatantly, but a lot of them, it's just they're unknowingly saying that their audience can achieve too much. And obviously, mm. um, you know, in court, you can't just be like, oh, I didn't know. So, yeah, those are things to watch out for, for sure. How do you keep up? How do you stay up to date with all those new trends? Not only in the email marketing space, but in general, are you learning a lot, reading books? You, you mentioned blogs. Yeah, so one of the things really for me, especially in today's day and age, it's for me personally, it's a little bit less about reading books because obviously a book takes time to publish and come out and all that. But yeah. um, on the internet, it's like there are some really smart people if you get plugged into the right places. So for example, um, a Facebook group like Direct Response Marketing Partners, there's a lot of people talking about um, compliance there. When it comes to AI, you mentioned you've talked to Stefan Georgi. He's a good friend of mine. Like he's pretty much at the cutting edge of AI. He uses it more than I do, that's for sure. Um, so just kind of making sure you're in touch with the right people in the right groups and uh, yeah, just making good friends in the industry that can help you. And um, I do have a legal team as well, because it's like when you start scaling your business, you really have to make sure that, um, you know, you have a good defense in case anything mm -hmm. happens. And there's somebody that's kind of being a watchful eye over the things you're doing just to clean up any little things that you didn't mm, see. Mm. Um, so being plugged in with a, with a really good team helps as well. And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to give legal advice to anybody, but definitely consult a good attorney. <laughs> Absolutely. When you say very good team, are there any specific things uh, sets, uh, sets uh, email paramedic apart from other email marketing agencies? Yeah, so going back to email list management, we're definitely not like the first one to do it, but I believe that we do it the best of anybody in the industry. Writing just really compelling, interesting, like research-based copy and like getting feedback from our subscribers with exactly what they want to hear about. Uh, at the same time, we're also playing around with ChatGPT and like seeing how AI can help us in bringing up new hooks and angles. In addition to that, we have some really killer automations we set up. So like I already talked about like a welcome series and obviously people know about abandoned car, but for example, um, some people more in the e-com space are familiar with uh, browse abandonment, which is basically when somebody is on your email list and they click to go view a certain product and they don't check out. Now this is different than abandoned cart because with abandoned cart you have to go and you have to actually put in your email on the checkout page, which triggers the email to you. Mm -hmm. But with browse abandonment, you don't you don't have to go all the way to the checkout page. As soon as you click the link to the product, um, I can put you in an automation 
that after one hour, it checks to see if you bought. And if you didn't buy, it sends a follow-up. And it's mm. very precise and to the point. And like I said, e-comp people might be familiar with that, but a lot of coaches, consultants, high-ticket offers, they don't know about that. And we actually have mm. a way to do that regardless of if you're e-com, if you're you know, high-ticket, coach, wh whatever the offer is. It's, it's pretty simple for us to do. And then deliverability. Um, over the course of 2021, especially, and then going into 2022, that's really how I got my name out there in terms of deliverability, right? Like email paramedic means reviving dead email lists. And we do that by getting people on the spam folder, out of the promotions tab, and just making sure that we're optimizing for, for as many opens as possible. Because when you do that, obviously, you're going to get a ton of sales coming in with it. Um, not necessarily equal to the amount of opens, but pretty dang close. By the way, where is your industry in the life cycle? Gosh, that's a tough question because if you think about it, technically copyright has been around since people were writing, like anytime yes. you're trying to convince somebody. But if you look at it in a modern way, it's like, you know, 100 years ago or so, maybe a little less. Um, a lot of the greats started writing for the first time in like magazines and in print. And uh, obviously, a lot of people are inspired by like Eugene Schwartz, one of the mm. originals. Um, and a lot of those principles are still around today. And it's like, yeah, um, a lot of them are true. And then you bring in AI, which is like prior to the end of 2022, not many people were talking yeah, yeah. about this mm. at all. And, it, mm. and copywriting was more just like, coming up with new creative hooks and angles, right? So like, for example, um, it used to just be a text sales letter and then it's a video sales letter. And then there's people that will like do podcasts or like video calls and then it turns into a sales call or there's people that um, I've heard of one called a podcast VSL um, where basically it sounds like a VSL, but the two people on it are, are pitching something. And just like you had to come up with really creative ways to like, get people to buy things that they're not used to, right? Because mm. like everybody's seen a VSL or a webinar now, um, at least if you know, you're know you in the, the marketing space. But um, with AI, it's going to get super creative. But um, yeah, I would say list management is still pretty young and that falls within copywriting because uh, most people out there, there's, they're still not paying the attention to deliverability. And we've helped like hundreds and hundreds of clients, but it's like, I don't even know how many businesses there are in the world, but in the US alone, there's probably like, I don't know, eight or nine figures worth of businesses. And it's like, that's a, a huge potential. So um, yeah, it's kind of crazy, but it's like, that's the fun part about business and life is like, you never know what's around the corner. And anytime something new comes out, people usually get pretty scared, but they don't really think about like, okay, how could we actually use this to help us instead of running from it so mm. um yeah who knows but <laughs> i think there's a lot mm. of really cool things that are going to happen not just in copywriting but ai is going to open a lot of doors too because uh you know it's not just our industry that's using it it's like even kids at school are utilizing it to get like answers for their tests and stuff and gary v is a big proponent of that just using the all the noise that we have what is the important from your point of view to stand out and say, this is me and this is what I'm doing? Yeah, so relating to your audience is still going to be the number one thing. So a lot of people call it authenticity or being genuine or whatever it might be. But the way I think about it is as people like really evolve in business or even if they work a corporate job, usually like making it really far or joining the corporate world 
puts you in this place where you you think that business has to be different than people. But what、mm-hmm. I've realized is, you know, throughout the last few years is. It doesn't make people feel good when you talk at them like you're a corporation, right? Because、mm. people they they really zone out when they get the sense that there's some kind of facade being put up or they're being talked at like a customer. But when you can just be a human and literally let somebody know that you've been in their shoes before and you wholeheartedly believe in what you are pitching because you know it can take them from where they are now, which is where you used to be. And get them at least closer to where you are right now on, on their journey. Whatever, I mean, obviously it could be in business, it could be in health, it could be in relationships. Those are just the big three, and there's、mm. there's plenty more. But really, just being able to remember what it was like when you were a beginner and carve out like a clear cut path with steps that somebody can kind of see in front of them. And you don't want to put too many steps in front of them because it, it can be overwhelming. But you just really want to make sure that you're building out a clear path for somebody, and they can sense that you're being authentic and you've actually been there before.、Um, so as far as writing goes, I think that's one thing from AI that's kind of missing because it's a robot. Now, obviously, that might change with version four.、Um, yeah, and then on the technical side, like I said, if it's email deliverability is one thing that people overlook. So. Um, between those two things, I would say put most of your focus there, especially if you're emailing. When you say steps, <clears throat> what steps do you take, let's say on a daily basis, each day, to ensure your success? What habits,、uh, practices, routines、uh, yeah. have especially contributed to the achievement of your goals? Yeah, for sure. So,、um, in the last question, I was more so talking about just like steps of like leveling up. But in terms of daily steps for myself that have kind of stayed consistent over the last few years from beginner until now, is just a first of all, your day starts the day before or the night before. So、uh-huh. you really need to make sure that like whatever it is you want to do tomorrow, you have it written down before you go to bed. And me personally, I can't really sleep unless I do that because I'm just thinking about all the things I got to do tomorrow. Um, so I write all that down, everything, and then I wake up, and the very first thing I do is the thing that's vital to my business, to the, keeping me going. So if you're a beginner, for example, that probably means that you should be talking to people in some kind of group or community, whether it's Facebook or wherever, talking to people and just like putting out whatever you believe in, whatever you're good at, helping people with that thing.、Mm-hmm. Second most important thing, maybe like mid morning, is. Trying to get on calls with those people. If you've given them enough value and you've created a Calendly account or something similar, you can 100% get on the phone with these people, and hopefully you've created some type of offer, some way to help them、um, mm. that you can just sell on the spot, like a done-for-you、mm. service. Now, ideally, you want to get that on retainer because when you do that,、mm. if you have three to five clients who are paying you anywhere between one and like five thousand dollars a month, depending on. The level of the complexity of their problems that you're solving,、um, then you're pretty set, and you can kind of like not stay in panic mode. You can kind of relax a little bit and say, "Okay, I've got my base, I've got my feet under me," and then you know, toward the afternoon, in the middle of the day, that's when you're going to go and you're going to service those clients, right?、Mm. And then at the end of the day, it's just kind of like things that you have to do in your personal life. 
Um, so for me today, like when I wake up, the very first things I do are mostly growth minded, right? Because I have a whole agency now, I have a whole team here in-house um, that's managing a lot of the things that I've, you know, I was doing two or three years ago. So now when I wake up, it's just like growth time, time to think, time to look at our processes and think like, oh, this is creative. We should try this. And some other different projects that kind of complement what I do currently. So I think about that. And then in the afternoon, I kind of get started on those things mm -hmm. and kind of plant the seed and get it going to the point where somebody else can manage it. And then toward the end of the day, I'll jump on calls and I'll talk to people. Um, and then by the time I'm done, then it's time to like go work out or hang out with my fiance or whatever personal things I have to do. For myself, I mean, gosh, it's tough. I'm like, I'm not going to lie. There's still some days no, where, no. I, mm -hmm. where I work until like, I don't know, 7 or 8 p.m. And it happens. But I try to be done around 5. I think I have it down now where I'm done on most days by 6. And I'm trying to get it down where I'm done by 5 every day. But it, it's really hard. So um, depending on when I get done, I can have like an hour or two of me time, which is going to consist of either working out or playing guitar or wherever, um, at least two to three days a week. And then the other days, uh, Julia, my fiance and I will go do something fun or we'll hang out with um, all the people on my team and and whatnot. But yeah, it's crazy how, how simple life can be at the end of the day. And you look back at earlier in the day and you were doing 50 million things, but uh yeah, it, it doesn't always go directly according to plan. Sometimes you got a lot of fires to put out, but it's just part of the game. And the mindset? I mean, uh, do you have any hidden hidden gems or secrets that help uh, keep your mindset in a let's say in a positive space for maximum productivity? Yeah, I would say the first thing is most people don't realize is you never really lose unless you quit, right? So, like, if something's not working. You technically, if you if you don't stop trying till the day you die, you never really lost. It's more that people give up too early. But on that same token, if something's not working and you're doing it for months and months or years and years, then it probably means you're not throwing yourself at the right wall. One of my students, Cole, used that uh, that phrase, throwing yourself at the right wall mm -hmm. and really making sure that you're using the right people. So you're like teaming up with the right people, talking to the right people to make sure that you're staying in line and you're throwing yourself at the right walls and doing the right things to get where you want to go. Because when you do that, you're going to start actually accomplishing things and and, and moving the goalposts and, and or moving the, the markers, I should say, um, and actually seeing progress toward whatever the goal is. Because if you're not seeing it, it probably means you're not going toward the right thing. Um, but when you are going toward the right thing, it's actually pretty hard to quit because it's like, as long as you're still alive, you got time left and and, and you can go do it. So try not to get too discouraged. Um, another thing that I always tell myself is like everything matters, but nothing matters. So it's like, sure, every little thing you do, there will you know be somebody who notices and there it's good or bad. So hopefully more good. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we all have our own lives. And if we if our lives end up going in a different direction, nobody would really notice. Right. Like if you make a mistake here, eventually people will forget um, and eventually everybody passes away. So it's like make sure you leave your impact right now while you can and uh, yeah. and go after it, because no matter how many mistakes you make, eventually someday people will forget those mistakes. So um yeah, it's a really weird, like two sides of the coin thing, but uh, it helps me out.
faqemail.com is the place where I went ahead and I took literally all the questions that people ask me about email. So there's questions like, hey, how do I improve my open rates? How do I grow the size of my email list ideally for free? How do I get back old subscribers? What do I write about when I'm out of ideas? So those are some of the frequently asked questions I get. So I went ahead and I made a document that has all the answers and I put it at faqemail.com. So it's literally right there, it's free and literally anybody can go get it and become a, be a better email marketer in a matter of minutes. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.